Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. I'm glad that you guys have joined me. This is the Off the Bench podcast. And today I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about the headlines and focusing on a letter from a listener. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, this is, we're coming to the end of the week now. I hope that you've really enjoyed this series that uh, we just finished with uh, my friends about adoption. I'm actually hearing from a lot of you that I know were encouraged and blessed by that. I love that God is the author of adoption. His heart is for adoption. After all, we've been adopted, haven't we? He's adopted us into his family. God is the author of adoption. And I love that um, Harry and Kayla were able to come in and just share their story. I hope you guys are blessed and encouraged by that. I would like for you to keep sending me your show ideas, guest ideas, anyone that you would like to see come on the show. We'd like to hear from you and you can send that stuff to me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. I'd also really like to hear your off the bench stories. Today, I'm going to spend a little bit of time answering a question from a listener. But before I do that, I really want to jump in on uh, an article that came out in the news the other day on Thursday, I believe it came out. But it's talking about the National Educators Association. Now, you guys have heard me talk about uh, these guys for a long time. Uh, these, the National Educators Association is no friend of children. This is a, a, a fantastically progressive organization. These guys are pushing abortion. They're pushing critical race theory. They're pushing the 1619 Project. Uh, this is a corrupt union that has really injured a lot of really great teachers and certainly their ideology is injuring children. And so you guys already know how I feel about that. But this article came out and I thought, you know, uh, this is a really great um, example of why I have been speaking out against this for a long time. So I'm going to read you an article from Fox News. It says the National Education Association, so the NEA, proposed a resolution that would change the word mother in its contracts to, quote, birthing parent for the purpose of being so-called inclusive to the LGBTQIA+. They got to have the plus on there, right? Because we're never going to stop adding uh, adding letters to the alphabet soup that is this particular community. The NEA's resolution called New Business Items represent the teachers' union's opinions and belief. Many resolutions were voted on Wednesday by the Representative Assembly, comprised of 6,000 educators in Chicago, as well as virtually the resolution of the language change, NBI 63, was ultimately not brought to a vote. Using this contract language, members need not worry about how a board of education or solicitor defines maternity leave, mother and or father. The language is an inclusive reflection of how the LGBTQIA plus members build families, the proposed legislation said. Uh, NBIs are proposed by the union's delegates. It takes 50 delegates to uh, sponsors to bring the NBI to the RA floor for debate and then for a vote. Tiffany Justice of Moms for Liberty told Fox News Digital that she is now calling the NEA the K-12 cartel because they are holding parents and children hostage to a radical agenda. And this is absolutely true. She said, we believe in American teachers and we don't believe that the lack of focus in the union uh, has on children is represented. Normal people don't use the term chest feeding or birthing person or any of this stuff. Uh, uh, Nicole Nelly of Parents Defending Education said, I think it's just further underscoring how completely out of touch the teachers unions are from the concerns of normal parents. And I would go a step farther and call it absolutely horrifying. 
It's horrifying. So the NEI delegates uh, struck down a proposed resolution that would support a, quote, national policy of mandatory masking and COVID vaccines. And a similar NEA resolution was proposed last year, also scrapped by delegate voters. Uh, It's amazing to me that we're even having these conversations. And as you guys have heard me say many times before, uh, I believe that the schools are injuring our children, body, soul, mind, and spirit. And your children, every time you send them to these schools, uh, are being indoctrinated into this radical belief system. And if you don't believe I'm telling you the truth, look no farther than the National Educators Association, who if they had their way, your kids would be mandatorily vaccinated They'd have masks on their face all the time. They wouldn't be able to say the word mother because it wasn't inclusive enough for the alphabet soup community. And your children are going to continue to be sacrificed on the altar of progressivism and liberal ideology until you decide to pull your children out of public school. All right, I'm going to switch focuses right now because I want to talk about a letter that came to me from a mom named Ashley. I'm going to read her letter really quick and then let's get into the meat of what her problem is. She wrote, Dear Heidi, I am sad to say that after a 10-year-long friendship with one of my favorite people on the planet, our friendship was abruptly ended a couple of weeks ago over a disagreement that we had as couples. My heart is broken. My kids are hurting. These people were our godparents to our children, and I feel like we're never going to recover. I don't know how to walk my kids through this. My husband and I are heartbroken, but it seems there can be no resolution. Uh, So I want to answer this question because I've actually written about this. Uh, A lot of you guys know that I've written a book called Becoming Mom Strong. And in fact, I talk about this. So uh, I brought it with me. So for those of you who are watching on video, there you go. I'm holding my book, Becoming Mom Strong, uh, How to Fight with All That's in You for Your Family and Your Faith. And there is a chapter in this book, and it's called Big Girls Do Cry. And the point of this chapter is to um, encourage moms to allow their children to walk through seasons of grief with them. There are a lot of different ways that we have grief in our in our lives, right? We can lose a family member to death. We can certainly lose friends, but there are other ways that bring really grief and sadness. And one of them is the loss of friendship. I wrote about this in Becoming Mom Strong, and uh, it's been years and years. I mean, that book came out in 2017, and this issue probably happened at least five or six years previous to that. So if anyone's listening thinking, I wonder if this is somebody Heidi's walking through this right now. No, this happened a long time ago. But it really, really impacted our family. And I wrote about it because I just felt blindsided by it. You know, this friend of mine invited me out for coffee. I went to meet her at a coffee shop uh, near, not too far from our houses. And while we were there over a chai tea latte, she abruptly ended our friendship. And as it turned out, she had been harboring an offense against me. And it sounded like uh, for quite a while. So she'd been harboring this offense I didn't even really know that, that, that it was an issue or that it, there was even a problem happening. But certainly uh, by the time that that conversation was over, they pulled out of our nonprofit organization. We, we, we weren't basically, um, that was it. I mean, that was the end of a years long friendship and a wonderful working relationship. And to me, it really felt like a net loss for the kingdom. And certainly it was injurious to, to me and to my husband. We were both of us just devastated. And over the weeks that passed, I really just tried to make sense of it. You know, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? What did I do wrong? How can I fix it? You know, I'm kind of a fixer and I wanted to fix it. And I I realized that for whatever reason in this particular relationship, there was no fixing it. We got a mediator. Some of you guys are going to be like, well, did you do Matthew 18? Yes, we did. Um, 
we got a mediator. We, we tried to, uh, we brought, you know, another uh, person in and we, we, you know, we tried to resolve it there. And the most frustrating part was that the, the grief, the grief that my friend had toward me and her angst never really was fully communicated. So I couldn't really ever understand what had happened. And I think that our kids over, over those, uh, those weeks and those months, I mean, we never met with our friends again after that. And so, you know, keep in mind, we're friends in the homeschool community. We're friends. Uh, we all, we know a lot of the same people. We loved these people. They were godparents for our children. And so I think that's maybe why this letter struck me so much as I was like, oh man, I have been through that. And it absolutely, uh, it's absolutely terrible. And this is what I wrote. I'm going to read this to you, uh, out of becoming mom strong. So hopefully it's going to encourage somebody. And, uh, and I hope you guys will pick up the book. Okay, there's a lot of things in here that um, uh, is really just my heart as a mother to just encourage you guys in your relationships. But this is what I wrote starting on page 154. The blunt tr- force trauma that this experience of losing this friendship inflicted on my inner person took me by surprise. I'm a fighter. I don't give up easily. And the idea of walking away was foreign to me. Surely there was something I could do, something that would bridge the gap and smooth the way But as weeks turned to months and months turned to years, I realized there was nothing I could do. I wanted to be understood, but instead I was rejected. Rejection is an emotion like no other. There's something visceral about this kind of pain. Even though my husband and I prayed that God would mend the friendship for whatever reason, healing never came. The painful reality was this. Sometimes walking away is the only thing you can do. The lessons I learned in this season will stay with me forever. As with all hard things, either you learn from them or you don't. We are relational beings created by God for relationship first with him and then with others. Fortunately, our our friendship with God is 100% secure. He never changes. His love is unconditional and constant. There's nothing we can do that will make him love us any more or any less. And he never gives up on us. People however, are not like that. People change. And as a result, sometimes friendships end. And boy, was I hurting. I began to ask the Lord to pull me out of the pit I was in. Our children were in junior high or younger at the time. And as part of our homeschool program that we were reading through, we were in a children's Bible together. One day, as we were reading about David and his many struggles, it occurred to me that David had overcome most of his pain and struggles by learning to allow God to fight on his behalf. And there I was trying to defend myself, agonizing over feelings of being misunderstood and rejected. And all the while God was saying, be still. I am your defender. Let me speak for you. Oh man, you guys, this has implications in so many things right now, doesn't it? It took a while for me to understand. But in that season, being still meant walking away completely. In order to be still, I made the decision to block these people on social media because the temptation to see their family photos and vacations and find out what they were doing was only inviting more drama and stress into my life. Walking away meant not thinking about it anymore. It meant that I needed to stop trying to figure it out. It meant not giving rent-free space in my heart and my mind to a situation that was beyond my control. In the end, I had to learn to trust God with a situation that I simply could not understand. As I've said before, the way we respond to trials puts our beliefs about God on display for everyone, especially our children. And our kids saw us hurting and we wanted them to see that we trusted God for healing. 
Some moms don't want their children to see them hurting, thinking that this diminishes their strength somehow. But I disagree with this philosophy because it's inconsistent with the role of a mother. We need to teach our children how to handle the ups and downs life throws at us. Our kids need to see that we don't value drama or the negativity that comes with it. They need to see us strive for peace in our homes and in our relationships. And when all this was happening with our friends, some of our kids were old enough to understand what was going on. And so we invited them into the situation so that they could see why these people were no longer in our lives. We decided to talk about the situation. And in so doing, our children became part of the healing that God eventually brought to our family. Did my kids cry over it? Yes. But we wanted them to know that God could be trusted. And sometimes you need to cry. No matter how much we try to protect our kids, at some point, they're going to face rejection. We, when we face it ourselves, it can be an opportunity to teach our children healthy ways to handle the emotions that follow. Mom, strong moms trust God to help them model healing for their children, even if it means letting their kids see them cry. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Would you like to support this podcast and an American company? Well, then check out MyPillow.com. Right now, they are having an awesome sale on their slippers, their sandals, and their slides. Just go to MyPillow.com and check out the promo code Heidi or call 1-800-447-0541. Again, you can go to the radio listeners specials page at MyPillow.com and use promo code Heidi for amazing sales at checkout or call 1-800-447-0541. I continue to write about this in Becoming Mom Strong because I think every single one of us understands the pain of rejection. We've all been there, whether that's a rejection from a marriage relationship or it's a rejection from a friendship or whatever it is. And our kids need to understand that rejection sometimes is a part of life and that Jesus understands suffering. And I think this is uh, where I want to bring this podcast uh, full circle today because there's a lot of ways that we can be suffering, right? We can suffer in relationship. We can suffer uh, from, from from finances. We could suffer because of illness. And Jesus understands it. And a few years ago, uh, Amy Grant wrote a song that I love. It's called Better Than a Hallelujah. And I cannot tell you how many times, you guys, I've listened to that song, just tears streaming down my face. If those of you who have, um, you know, something like Spotify, you know, um, look up her song and play it, especially if your heart's breaking. Because uh, I think that Amy, when she wrote this, it, it showed me that she really does understand the beauty that is found in brokenness. And she wrote, beautiful the mess we are, the honest cries of breaking hearts are better than a hallelujah. God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time, you guys. He doesn't. And there are going to be a lot of things that happen uh, in, in the course of your life. They're going to drive you to your knees. They're going to cause you to weep and cry and maybe pound your chest in agony and a misunderstand what God is doing. And God understands that we're not always in a hallelujah place in our life. And the cool thing about God is he loves you and accepts you right where you are. And uh, and it's important that we understand that. The Bible says in Psalm 34 that God is close to those who are crushed in spirit. And if you've never been crushed in spirit, well, first of all, I'd like to meet you. If you've never been crushed in spirit, uh, I'd like to meet you and figure out how you, how you did that. But I love this verse because it tells you that ultimately it's when we're suffering that we experience God's peace more than at any other time. And uh, I've talked about this now for the last year and a half as my family 
has embarked on this crazy journey of um, running for the House of Representatives and entering into a sphere that we had not yet uh, had not been uh, very familiar with. And there's been a lot of moments along the way that we really had to just rely on what we knew and what we know to be true about the character of God. And I love this, that the Bible teaches us that God is close to the, to the brokenhearted. He's close to the woman who's been abused and abandoned. He understands the indescribable pain of a woman who's facing rejection. He longs to comfort the parents who have lost a child, born or unborn. God uses the struggling and the people that are coping with the sting of regret over choices that we make. God sees the parents who are sitting alone, wondering if their prodigal will ever come home. He sees the mother sitting alone on her bedroom floor at night, eyes wet with tears, clutching a picture of her broken family in her hands. According to the Bible, God longs to reach out and comfort us. He understands. And of all the characteristics I love about God, the one that touches me the most is that we are made in his image. If we are emotional beings, then we better believe that God is also emotional. God grieves too. He isn't aloof or indifferent or unaware when his children are grieving. Instead, he is present in our suffering. He understands because he too has suffered. Jesus was so obviously human, notes Eugene Peterson, and later he said, but there's never been an easy truth. This has never been an easy truth for people to swallow. There are always plenty of people around who will have none of this particularity, human ordinariness, raw emotions, anger, disgust, fatigue, loneliness. But yet the Gospels are filled with stories of the humanity of Jesus. In Mark 8, 31, we see that Jesus suffered. In Luke 4, verse 2, he was hungry. In John 19, 28, thirsty. In Mark 12, he was rejected. In Mark 14, he was beaten. Matthew 27, he was lonely. The Bible says he was acquainted with grief. And in fact, this is what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Did you catch the last part, you guys? We didn't care. We looked the other way. We rejected him, but he still doesn't reject us. God doesn't look the other way when he sees our suffering. Surely he has borne our sorrows, and surely he understands, because he too has been broken. And I... I want to just encourage you, you know, I I get letters here at the the podcast every single week. I love your letters, by the way. I'd love to hear from you. I was talking to a mom. Uh, I did an interview for another show this morning before I came into the studio here. And she was remarking that I had taken a turn in my ministry, you know, because my ministry has mostly been talking about faith and culture. And then when I I ran for office... um, and you guys have noticed it in the podcast over the last year and a half. I've talked a lot more about politics probably than I ever have, although I've always talked about it. But she was saying, she was asking me how this had changed the way that I saw my role in, in the ministry that God has called me to. And the answer is very simple. It hasn't changed at all. 
if anything, it's drawn me closer to the Lord in a lot of ways. And I recognize that there are so many people uh, that are hurting right now and they need to know that God understands them and that he loves them. And so if you're facing the loss of a friendship today, if your marriage is struggling, uh, the Lord understands and he wants you to come to him. And I guess I'll, I'll just uh, end with talking about just the, the blessing, I guess, of recognizing that Jesus was human. Because I think as people who walk with the Lord, we really need to understand. No, we need to believe that God is always at work in our struggles. In part because we're teaching our children that God has a purpose in all things. And I'm going to end just by reading off of page 161 from Becoming Momstrong. Everything that God does has a divine justification behind it, greater than we can know or understand this side of heaven. Yes, there's suffering in the world, but that isn't because God doesn't love us. Suffering is a result of sin, and it breaks the heart of the Father. Just a little later in the story of Lazarus, the Bible says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus saw the pain that Mary and Martha were feeling at the death of Lazarus. Notice the tender way that Jesus responded to their pain. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. When Jesus was taken to the tomb, something remarkable happened. The Bible records in John eleven thirty five that Jesus wept. He wept. Is there any more authentic human reaction than that? God knows firsthand the emotions that we experience in this life. And when Jesus saw Mary weeping, it grieved and upset him. I often wonder what Jesus was going through in that moment. Why did he weep? Some scholars say that he wept over the suffering that sin had brought into a perfect, beautiful world that God had made. Some say it was because he wanted to be with the Father. Others claim that Jesus knew that in bringing Lazarus back to life, he would also be taking him away from the presence of God. Who would want to come back to this broken place after experiencing the joy of heaven? However, I'm not sure any of these theories captures a full picture. I imagine that Jesus was sorrowing in much the same way that we grieve over the injustices of this broken, fallen world. After all, he is present in our broken world and he feels the pain that we feel. Jesus understands how it is to be brokenhearted. He knows what it's like to grieve over a wayward child. He knows the pain of physical suffering. In the process of dying for our sin, he brought hope into the world. He wants us to depend on him for everything from the air we breathe to the relationships we're in. Jesus offers respite from suffering and encouragement in the midst of it. He cares deeply about our suffering. In Psalm 56, 8, David said, You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected my tears in your bottle and have recorded each one in your book. Can you imagine? God collects our tears and saves them. Not a single tear falls from our eyes. He isn't intimately familiar with. And it's all because of love. This may sound counterintuitive at first, but grief is evidence of love. That's why I'm always telling moms, you know, when you come to the end of your childbearing years and you put that last uh, box of baby clothes away and you realize you're never going to get it out again and it grieves you and you cry, I feel like sometimes if we're crying, we're doing it right. If you grieve over your children leaving home, whether that's it, whether it's for uh, purposes of them getting married or getting a job or going away to school, if you grieve the loss of their presence in your home, I think you did it right. 
If you grieve the loss of a friendship, you did it right. Grief is part of this experience, and it may sound counterintuitive, but I really do believe it's evidence of love. You see, the more you love, the more you grieve. But the good news is God doesn't leave us alone in our grief. In a beautiful exchange, Jesus offers his grace for our sorrows, his peace for our pain, his hope for our fears. There's grace and abundance for the brokenhearted mom at the feet of Jesus Christ. He offers healing from the past and hope for the future. And it's all there. We just need to ask. The idea of being dependent on God doesn't sit well with many of us who are raised to be independent, liberated, self-reliant, self-made people. We're taught to be in control. Our culture rewards the strong and discards the weak. But God doesn't operate according to the world's values. And instead, he offers strength to the weak and healing to the broken. He understands our suffering. And he offers a special blessing to those who find themselves in pain. And if that's you today, as we head into uh, the end of the week, just know that God loves you, that you're loved, whether you're finding yourself in a season of struggle or whether you're facing rejection or loss or uh, what feels to be an insurmountable situation, God is there. And he loves you. And so to the mom who wrote me that letter, I thank you for being so transparent. And I am praying for you today as you guys walk through the season and just know that there's joy on the other side of it. There really, really is. If you guys want more information about the book that I just read parts out of, again, I'll hold it up for you so you can see it. It's called Becoming Mom Strong, How to Fight with All That's in You for Your Family and Your Faith. It's available anywhere the books are sold. Or you can just go to HeidiStJohn.com, click on the store, and all of my books are written there. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you're enjoying your families uh, in this season. And I will see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.